Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. Welcome to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. Today I have another special guest, my son Tyler. Welcome, Tyler. Hi. And you have actually been on some podcasts in in the past. It's just more that you're like talking over my shoulder, interjecting because you think I'm wrong. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So, um, Tyler, how old are you? I'm 17. And you're going to be a senior this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has this been your first official podcast? Official, yeah. Official. Besides eavesdropping. Yeah. And micromanaging my other efforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually have interviewed your sister and I've interviewed your brother, Caleb. And I thought, ah, oh, let's go to ground zero. The, the original OG. The original OG. Because you, unlike your siblings, actually had a relationship with your brother, Isaac, which is the reason why we started the Isaac Foundation. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty cool. He was. So you were 11 months younger. Yeah. We call you guys affectionately Irish twins. We looked almost the same, too. Yeah. My feeling moment as a mom was um, Isaac was messing around with the printer, and I warned him, like, don't touch the printer. I'm going to give you a spanking. And then the next thing I know, there's a little kid over there messing with the printer again. So I went up and I swatted his butt. And it wasn't until I heard you cry that I realized that I had actually spanked the wrong kid. I thought it was Isaac doing it again, but it was actually you. But you guys were very difficult to tell apart, especially from behind. Um, So, yeah, that was not my best mommy moment. Now, do you... When Isaac died, the doctors told us that actually you would probably more likely than not, you would not have any memories of your brother because you were just three when he died. Your brother was just um, almost four when he passed away. Um, Do you say that that's accurate? That is dead wrong. So you do actually have a fair amount of independent memories of your brother? What's weird is I pretty much remember the majority of what was happening with Isaac. Up until he died, I pretty much, those were my earliest memories. Yeah. Now, why do you think that they are your earliest memories? Do you think it's because they were all like honky-dory, peachy keen, and okay? No, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Isaac and I spent so much time together and that we were never apart. Yeah. And we were there and he effectively became my best friend. You guys were definitely constant play partners. In fact, um, we did a lot of therapies for Isaac when he was little because he, unlike Caleb, was probably, if he had lived um, a longer life, he would have been more impacted because he wasn't able to communicate functionally. Actually, he never even called me mama. And so you ended up compensating for a lot of of Isaac's struggles because he didn't have language, but you weren't, you were a solid communicator at a very young age. And so you would communicate what you interpreted Isaac's biggest. Sometimes I think we had telepathy. I think so we too. We just like tell each other. Isn't that what it is? Where like you can just. Yeah. yeah. You just definitely, you could read what he was throwing out there just in his, like the noises that he was making. But you also were one of the biggest pains in the asses for your brother, Isaac. Yeah. You can't have a brother without making him. Get pissed off every once in a while, you know. It's 
not part of your job. Well, I think there's something to be said for that because while you were always his biggest supporter and you would help him get into all sorts of crazy trouble, I mean, he was not as sneaky and devious as you were. You went to a whole new level of just, uh, just tomfoolery and so you got him in a fair amount of trouble because you were the mastermind and he didn't quite have the skills and ability to accomplish it but he definitely enjoyed the tomfoolery once you guys once you cracked into it oh, correct? Yeah, i remember when we uh, snuck onto that train while grandma was watching us oh yes and that was down at riverfront park wasn't it yeah, yeah you guys actually got on the tour train and grandma didn't realize you guys had climbed on and did the train actually take off yeah. or did she oh yeah she was running after it i remember oh yeah that was a very young young memory and there was also a random kid with us that i convinced too along with us it was me as a gabe and some random kid yeah i kind of vaguely remember that all sorts of fun so i don't think you had a terrible childhood but i definitely think you you loved attention when you were a kid you still do i think that's part of the reason why you behave poorly even at 17 is because it gets you some extra attention not always the good kind correct maybe maybe and so one of the things that i always surmised when you were little is is that you were very aggressive which isn't something that we ever modeled but i wondered whether or not you kind of started misbehaving as a way to try and get more attention it worked like so with being that young right you obviously get since you guys were busy with isaac a lot not all the time but like a lot you realize that like you get a lot more attention from doing shitty things than you do like good things. And so you kind of bank on that. It's like you're uh it's almost like the trick that never fails. You know? Yeah, well, like, that's true. LeBron's dunk it is just always there, you know. So if I ignore even to this day all your bad behavior at is lackluster for you or now it's different the thing with bad behavior is you can just keep branching off of it and eventually no matter what you're going to get a reaction oh that is true you have taught me that you always keep it spicy that's for sure i like to keep people's lives interesting oh you do you you do even to this day so um do you remember when so Early on, we did a lot of therapy interventions with Isaac. And of course, being that you guys were just 11 months apart, if I went, you went. Because it's not like I had a babysitter where I could leave you so Mm -hmm. that that way, you know, you didn't have to come to therapy. So do you have a strong memory of doing all of those therapy interventions with Isaac when you were little? I remember a lot of them. And do you sometimes they'd come to the house? Yeah, yeah. We did have people that would come to the house. Sometimes we had to go into and you would get you would try to steal the show at times, which was really hard to not reinforce because you were absolutely you were just a little ham. I mean, you still are a ham. You're very outgoing and um, you just and very charismatic, I would say. So it was really hard to not steal the show when you were little. Yeah. Was that part of your mini strategies? No, I just think I got good with people pretty fast. You really do, actually. You were very good at people. Did you ever feel like you didn't ever have a conscious idea when you were little that Isaac was different? Did you? No. Yeah. It wasn't until like after you started the Isaac Foundation that I sort of started to understand because I never saw him as different. Yeah. Because at that young, you're not exposed to like all of the uh, 
different things that people can have. And so well, I just and you're not them. prejudiced. That's the beautiful thing about kids is that kids are not born with biases. Like we create the biases in children and through experiences you create and experience you develop your own set of biases, right? It's yeah. not babies are totally pure and it's the biases and experiences that create um, people's perceptions of that. So I would completely agree. You had no idea that Isaac was different. Then after Isaac passed away, our life totally changed. Yeah. And it became the Tyler and mom show for, a bit well we had caleb so caleb was born not quite a year after isaac died and so then you were back to having your brother which was pretty awesome for a while it was also gabe yes so let's talk about your so your cousin gabe who just lives down the street ended up being a very close pay partner because after isaac died you really struggled and were very lonely so your cousin who is just a year and a half older than you would come over a lot and you guys would Gabe literally just kind of swooped in and kind of took a big brother role. Because even though Isaac wouldn't have been able to like completely fulfill the big brother role, he did in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so after Isaac died, Gabe was with us 24-7 pretty much. And he was, without realizing it, he taught me a lot of things that big brothers do. Yeah. Yeah. Gabe is still to this day top notch so and then we had caleb and all things were good so how did you feel when mom started the isaac foundation there's a lot of speculation that um when mom started the isaac foundation that that was exponentially harder on you no (laughs) not at all i love it when people ask me that because it actually happens a lot yeah, a no. lot of people think that that was actually maybe detrimental to your early years. When people ask me that question, I don't want, I'm going to call it a stupid question because it <laughs> is. It's the dumbest question ever. It's like, so imagine your best friend, right? You spent all your time with him. You have your earliest memories with him. He passes away. And then for a while, it seems like there's nothing after it. There's just nothing. But then... Your mom plants almost a seed of him. The Isaac Foundation was like his seed after he died, and it grew. Way bigger than I ever imagined early on. But, like, the Isaac Foundation is literally like my brother's tree of life. Like, even after he's gone. Because if he hadn't died, let's be honest, there's a lot of people who wouldn't have gotten help that needed it. At the very end of the day... If my brother had not died, there would be countless families that still needed assistance that weren't getting it. And so the Isaac Foundation was actually just a reminder that he's never actually gone and that he's still here. Wow, that's actually, you're getting me all teary. That is actually the most beautiful thing I think I have ever heard. Well, that's why it bothers me so much because a lot of people are always like, doesn't doesn't the Isaac Foundation bother you? Isn't it just like a reminder of your brother and pe- well let's be real some of the questions come because you have had some poor behavior yeah people think people think that how i <laughs> act outside of everything like reflects on how i feel about the isaac foundation not at all that it's a reactionary your behaviors are reactionary because of adverse experiences because of isaac uh, so that's why a lot of people ask you that honey is that my thing is i could not be prouder of my mom for starting the isaac foundation because granted it was because Isaac passed away 
But if you just take a moment and you sit back and you reflect about everything you did to just turn something horrible into something we can look at and be proud of. That's that's something that is so rare. And you took our tragedy and our trauma and you turn it into something that we could look at and grow stronger from and help other people who are dealing with the same situations. That's why I never understood that question. It's because why would I be upset at my mom for going through what we went through and then trying to make other people's lives better for it? Well, because here's the thing, honey, I think the reason why some people ask us is that it has been a lot of hard work to get the Isaac Foundation. We are 14 years old officially, and I think that it was a lot of hard work. I have to be honest with you, Tyler. You were like my miniature CEO because when you were little, I had a lot of anxiety about leaving you with babysitters and stuff. So I took you to every single meeting with me on yeah. Isaac Foundation. I met with donors. I planned fundraising events. I would, you know, you'd be sleeping in bed with me um, and I would be on a computer trying to help families that were touched by autism. And so like you were there step for step for a lot of years and it was it it was hard i mean it was hard i mean we did go to parks and we did a lot of fun stuff too but oh yeah um it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine for all of those years there was a lot of mommy crying because i was afraid that i was gonna like not pull off a good event and we wouldn't have enough funding to help the families that needed help and it was a lot of pressure which i have to guess in some way did impact you because you always you always know you're very intuitive when it comes to knowing when there's something wrong with me and i hate that because i would like to be able to hide my like struggles from you but that's the problem is is that while i know that you have a very positive feeling and you're very proud of the isaac foundation it had to have been hard because there was so much work that we had to do and i drug you around to so many things to try and 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 create isaac foundation to what it is today and that couldn't have been easy a lot of it was it got hard for me when it was hard for you like when you were crying and I knew that things with the Isaac Foundation weren't going great I was upset not at you not directly at the Isaac Foundation but I was just upset that even though it's a good thing it's it's rough sometimes and so it only really made me upset when I saw you upset yeah and we've been through some ups and downs. There's been some, sure. yeah, it's not. And that's the thing is, is that I would say that there's probably no one in this world that really understands the Isaac Foundation and how we came to be at this point in 2021 than Tyler Wilson Lytle. Everybody thinks that it's all rainbows and ponies because people, a lot of like when you have your events right and they run smoothly people don't see the chaos and the preparation that it takes to get those ready oh and i have to be honest i you do not love the auction do you Fuck no no it is not and why because i am a psychopath because we are yeah because you're setting it up and you have to be responsible for everything that goes down and know it's like dominoes you have to know when every single one's gonna drop Oh, and yeah. it's just stressful. And so usually the week up to the auction is either the... We call it hell out, week. Yeah, we, it's either stay out of mom's way or do something to help mom because... Yeah, it is pretty bad. And I would say that the early years were way, way, way worse because oh I didn't God. know what I was doing. And it would take me... It would take me five months to put the auction on because... 
I, I, I just didn't have the resources. I didn't have the volunteers. I didn't have the connections to get donations. And it was always very tenuous in terms of how the event was going to be. And our auction is our biggest fundraiser of the year. And so that was, you're absolutely right. So you have always been really funny is that you, you know me and you can sense my mood and my stress level better than anyone in this world. And so again, I would say though, the last three years it has been better so much easier yeah because i've got great staff andrea when i hired andrea and andrea started helping andrea's made so many things so much easier yeah andrea does so much to help yeah and anna has been a really good um, yeah anna has been a really good asset so having people good people behind me and volunteers that take some of that pressure off has been just a, a total game changer um but there's still we call it hell week and everybody everybody knows number one don't ask me what's for dinner yeah don't ask me for clean clothes because that didn't happen yeah so everybody has to become pretty self-sufficient on the bright side it taught us how to do our own laundry though well it is true and you also were really good at a young age taking care of your brother and sister and like trying to keep them entertained during that really stressful time because um it's just it I don't sleep particularly well when it's auction season because there's just a lot of pressure. There's so much much right. And there's so much writing on that one night. What if we don't make enough money? Um, And then a lot of our programs are going to suffer because of it. So, yeah. So you have been kind of my um, sidekick uh, junior CEO for, from the beginning, really. Yeah. Now I'm going to switch, I'm going to switch gears on it a little bit. So at what point did you realize that Caleb was different? And that he was probably on the spectrum. Did you ever have like a moment in time where you were like, oh, oh no. Or is it kind of similar to Isaac that because it's just what you know, it didn't really like set in? It didn't set in for me that Caleb was different for a long time. Because like, I spent so much time with Caleb, honestly. Like right now, even being 17 and him being 13, he's like my best friend. I would say that that is true. Like if Caleb will tell you that his best friend is sticks the dog, but if he was going, if you had to say, Hey, Caleb, pick the person in this world that is like your like Mm -hmm. best person. He's going to definitely pick you. Like usually like, like in his mind, I think that he still thinks that you and him are going to grow up and live together. I was totally, I'm still planning on that. Well, here's my next question. Why are you planning on that? Do you have concerns about Caleb being able to live independently? I don't have any concerns about him being able to live independently because I know if you were to give him a job and tell him what to do, what speed, what direction to run, he would take off. Yeah. Especially but, if he was good at it. Yeah. Now, some things when it comes to like just life shit, like doctor's appointments, scheduling those, I'd totally be willing to help him. Yeah. But I don't want to go. And he anywhere. has come a long way in terms of he's, sure. he has, he's now making some of his own food. Um, he learned how to make macaroni and cheese. He can make top ramen. He makes like some simple things. Um, but, and also he does pretty well managing his money. So we give him some money and he has to manage. Problem is, is that he tends to want to manage his money to like buy things that he wants versus things that he needs. Part of the thing with Caleb too is I've never seen him as different. Cause like when I've hit low points, really low points when I was struggling with like my uh, substance stuff a lot. There was at one point it was like maybe like a month or two ago, I was in dad's at dad's house and I was in my room and I was crying because it was getting hard just with all the stressors going on. 
And Caleb knew that. And everybody else kind of just blew it off. But Caleb came down in my room and it was at like one in the morning. He sat next to me and he gave me a hug and he said, hey, you're really not doing good. I'm right here for you. Yeah, he knows you're one of his people where he knows when you're not in a good place, then Caleb gets really, really, really concerned. Yeah. And that was like a big thing for me because like usually when I'm like upset, I keep that to myself and I don't want to make it anybody else's problem. But he sat right next to me for another two hours. Yeah. And he didn't leave my side. Yeah. Now, it's not always been rainbows and sunshine because Caleb is very rigid about many things in his life. <laughs> He is very rigid. And Kelly was talking a little bit about her biggest frustration with Caleb is specifically restaurants. He does, he will only eat at certain restaurants and that really pisses her off if we're being honest. But you always are, you don't care. Like you are always the concede to what Caleb needs and you never complain. Oh yeah. Like, so you actually get mad at your sister about not just going with the flow and letting Caleb have it his way. Yes. But don't you think that at some point we need to stretch him? Like just playing the devil's advocate, I totally get where you're at. But I would say if I had to like really dissect our family, you are the one that coddles Caleb the most and are the most willing to go out of your way and make the most sacrifices so that Caleb is in a good place. Like you don't like Caleb's boat getting rocked because I mean, it's it's frustrating for us, but you would. It's because he was my boat for a while yeah when he was like little he was like your brother that yeah i mean he'll never understand but just him being born was a game changer and he'll never understand that but the fact that i do is enough for me that there's no mountain i wouldn't climb for him and with the restaurants and stuff my whole thing is it's like if he knows what he wants and he learns to know what he wants and go for what he wants and not to let other people like tell him no, like that's not going to happen. If he learns that, he'll do a much better job later in life chasing what he wants and achieving what he wants. And so when Kelly gets upset about it, like, oh, I'll just be flexible. It's like, no, he knows what he wants. I know that, but we're just trying to get Caleb to try and be more flexible. And you just don't have any need to make him be flexible. You're willing to totally redo like all of the plans in order for Caleb to be comfortable and that's not necessarily always going to be oh yeah possible there will come a time but I'm going to push back that time yeah until it's so would you say that you are one of Caleb's uh most fierce defenders I would overthrow the government for that dude and you have gotten yourself into some deep doo-doo because you have like defended him and probably not great ways. The thing about Caleb that's cool is that Caleb doesn't even sometimes realize that he's being bullied or picked on. Mm-hmm. However, you obviously see it and then you freak out. I remember remember when he had that kid that he was playing with on PlayStation and he was totally manipulating Caleb and you got the headset and you were calling him every name <laughs> under the sun and threatening that you were going to find him. I know where you live. I'm going to find you. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> and this so kid's funny. crying because he's, who knows, that kid could have very well had autism too you don't know and you were like terrifying this kid that you knew where he lived you were going to come to his house and like sneak it was awful i mean funny haha but not funny because that poor kid was super traumatized that was so funny well i know that but that's the thing is is that you have always had a zero tolerance for bullies even at school like when you were in school you cannot tolerate or look the other way when you feel like someone is being mistreated and Uh, I think all of that stems from the fact that you've had brothers that were underdogs. 
Oh, yeah. And so you tend to maybe take things a step further than they need to be. Well, especially with the thing with public school is everybody's a douche. And so... Not everybody's a douche. The majority of people. And so, like, a lot of people... Like, when I have free time, usually I'll go to the special ed classroom because I see those guys every day because they do their cycling and stuff and they all wave at me. Yeah. And so I'll go hang out there. I know you tried to convince one of the teachers that you needed to be their teacher's assistant just so you could get out of one of your other classes. They told me I had to wait till I was a senior, but I'm a senior now so I can go hang out in there. Exactly. But that's been your strategy since freshman year. So you always have been the defender of those that need defending, but... Um, I get upset if somebody even giggles at them. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk about your Panera job. So you got a job at Panera. Yes. And you... They had a disabled dishwasher. His name was Dylan. He was the nicest guy. He would always talk to me while I was at work. And on the last night that I worked there, I was closing. And Dylan had been finishing up the dishes. Because usually Dylan was there late with us because there was a lot of dishes that needed to be done. And he asked one of my coworkers what, where the third, like the third pans went. Mm-hmm. They're the, the bigger ones. And because she was across the hall by the manager's office, he had to kind of holler for her attention. And she turned around as soon as she heard, because everybody was kind of mean to Dylan, even my boss. They were just really mean. Like mean or no just reason. rude, just Like snarky. just disrespectful, like mm-hmm. just even with questions and shit, everybody like tried to avoid him like the plague and it bothered the fuck out of me. And so we hollered over at Shannon and Shannon just turned around immediately and was like, first of all, what the fuck are you doing talking to me like that retard? You don't have any right to raise your voice at me. Did she actually use that word? Yes. And she started like walking up and like getting close and yelling at him. She didn't think that it bothered me because I sat there because I was speechless and somebody would actually have the brass to say some shit like that. And Dylan started to like get teary and he was upset and I could tell. And so he went over to the bathroom and I got in her face, probably not my best moment. Mm -hmm. And I told her that I would beat her ass if she ever even thought about talking to Dylan or anybody else like that again, because it was not right. And and she had no right. Consequently. Consequently, she did not feel safe and felt threatened in the work environment. And I had to find a new employment (laughs) at Carl's Jr. (laughs) now the next yeah now you're a cook at carl's Carl's jr and it's great because now they actually want as soon as i'm 18 they want to promote me well i i think you could at 18 and when you graduate you could probably do something oh yeah i'm gonna totally go somewhere else i just don't want them to know that well i think you know it's been a good job for you and they work around your schedule which is nice but um so yes you are the defender of many and you don't always handle yourself in the best way possible but i do love the fact that you support our kids with differences and that also too you are very flexible so um sometimes caleb says things that are just kind of like holy cow buddy and you do spend time kind of coaching him you do practice sarcasm actually i have you to thank for helping him learn how to appropriately swear and cuss um i mean i started him down that road but you have definitely taken his swearing to a whole new appropriate level 
I'm saying that with all the sarcasm in the world. But you also, um, he also, one of the other funny things is he has not been open and receptive to taking sex education in public school. <laughs> yeah. um, it makes him very uncomfortable. He gets a lot of anxiety. He just, uh, it, he's just can't handle the topic of, of sex education at school. And yeah. so he, when you ask Caleb, well, you know, buddy, somebody's got to teach you about sex ed. And his response is Tyler will teach me everything I know to which I totally cringed and like, panic because the last person on this earth I want teaching Kayla about sex education is you if I'm being perfectly honest but yeah no that makes sense yeah it was interesting it kind of surprised me too because he was kind of just in my room watching me play Russ and he started asking me about it yeah but he sees you as a safe person I tried to answer all of his questions with the appropriate like name and uh, everything that I could and the nice thing about you is is that you spend a great deal of time teaching him slaying terms mm-hmm. so that that way because that's the hard part is he has a hard time understanding slang and double meanings and sarcasm and you actually do take the time to explain stuff to him in a way that he then unfortunately fortunately or unfortunately then takes it out into the real world and tries to apply it for and sure. some of those situations have been absolutely horrifying but thank you for that yes but it's course. i guess skills right you got to start somewhere so, what do you think Caleb's going to do when he gets older? Something think? with computers, if... Yeah. Because... Or yeah. some technology-related or video game-related, because that guy... Like, we play a lot of video games together, and if there's, like, uh, they have these things, there's, like, script in code that tells you what was going on and what's changing in the update it's really hard to read actually yeah but caleb will literally come in my room and explain what they're changing yeah to me and i can't even read that shit well i thought it was because he actually read a press release comes out he actually looked at those things and he just understands that and that was actually one of the funny things about when he was at his last elementary school great northern they were doing a, a week of code or maybe it was a month of code and it was part of the technology curriculum and he did i think it was they told me he did like 12 coding assignments in like 40 minutes and he didn't even open the instructions like he just did it all on his own so then they were like now we don't know what we're gonna teach him for the next like three weeks and i was like genius yeah when it comes to code he definitely he gets that but for him to be able to read a simple set of instructions like how to clean your room he struggles yeah he struggles big time it's just all about helping him where he needs it yeah and that's the thing is that the only thing he can do is cover as much ground as you could cover before he gets to the age where he's gonna have to like also explore that ground on his own yeah we've been doing a good job yeah we have we try hard like and that's the thing is that caleb's been in therapies well gosh since he was what three two three something like that do you ever remember a time where caleb wasn't in therapies no no and do you feel like i mean that's been hard on a family because we've had to give up a lot and therapies don't come cheap do you ever feel resentful that we've had to invest so much time and money and our schedules have been dictated by his therapy schedule not at all because look at how far he's come yeah no that is true so do you you've seen his the improvements over the years we can sit down and have deep ass conversations i never in a thousand years would have thought we'd be able to have a couple years ago yeah he's definitely he's coming a long way but i think it helps having older brothers that like i love it when he asks me about politics oh god 
okay, just like warning, warning, do not. Now, keep in mind, I don't talk a whole lot at home about politics and who I support on a political level. With that being said, Caleb, because he reads news articles or listens to the news, very much developed a dislike of Donald Trump. Yes. And you would poke his buttons by saying, Donald Trump's awesome. Like, go Trump, Trump 2020. And that would really upset him because he does not like Donald Trump at all. Um, And it's funny because we had to set rules with Caleb about we can't talk about politics, um, religion, and, you know, like um, people's like sexual orientation. Those are just things that like we taught him like about not to have conversations like with people about because it can be very polarizing and, um, and people get have very strong feelings about some of those. I mean, there's a bazillion other things that we could actually be, you know, adding to the list. But funny thing about it was Caleb's teacher, who's last school year, her dog died. And so the substitute, uh, actually, I think it was his para-ed. It was his para's dog that died. And the teacher thought it would be a good idea for the class to sign a card, right? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that we had to establish early on with Caleb is, is that the thought bubble and talk bubble because as you know in school Caleb has made some very public mistakes that were incredibly embarrassing to you at various points where he'll make a comment and then of course he doesn't think about how people interpret that or remember when it was a school assembly and he asked the speaker if she was a boy or a girl yeah oh my gosh he just about died it was pretty terrible but anyway so we always told caleb that he needed to put ideas in his thought bubble and only ask trusted adults before he put it in his talk bubble because if he was worried that it was going to offend someone or you know be polarizing then that was kind of our strategy so yeah that's been his strategy you by the way at a certain point in your teenage years became not a trusted person to run things by because things that you think are appropriate and things that are really appropriate are not the same thing but i digress now so he had this idea that he wanted to write in the card but he because of the rules you can't talk about religion you can't talk about politics you can't talk about you know like sexual orientation stuff like that he was really conflicted about whether or not he should write it in the card and then of course he had to hurry up. He had to hurry up because there's other people that need to sign the card. So he didn't have a trusted adult to check with. So he wrote it in the card anyway. And all day long, all he could think about, he says his ears turned off that whole day because he was so worried that he wrote something in the car that he was going to get in trouble for. Right. Yeah. So when he got into the, the car after school, he was like, Oh mom, this is a terrible day. I, you know, and he explained the situation and he says there was nobody I could ask. So I just made a decision and I wrote it. And now all day long, all I could think about is whether or not I, made, I couldn't, listen to anything i had to turn my ears off because he was so conflicted about it and you want to know what it was Mm. he put in there don't worry you'll see your dog someday because he's talking about heaven so he was so worried about the fact that he wrote that and that could be offensive to someone um anyway and that's like poor caleb he's so thoughtful but he also we've kind of instilled these kind of rules for how to like navigate things so that he had less and less like social mistakes um but anyway i thought that was kind of cute it was because you, know, you can't talk about politics, but we still tell Caleb he can't walk around talking about how much he hates Donald Trump because there's we actually have a lot of friends that like Donald Trump. Yeah. And we can be supportive of that. We, you know, we all don't have to agree, but you know, Caleb on the other hand, he gets very upset when he knows that people like Donald Trump. So yeah. um, so another thing I wanted to ask you about is I've teased you for a long time that you could be the next executive director of the Isaac Foundation to which you have said not just no but hell no 
Nobody can do it as good as you. I don't know about that, honey. Someday someone's going to have to replace me, but this is not where your passion is. And so I'm going on record in this podcast so that in the event I die, that there is recorded documentation that I just want you to know that do not worry. I do not expect you to take over the Isaac Foundation and continue our mission to be really, I think, the glue that holds the autism community together. Yeah. So how does that does that make you feel better? Now it's bit. it's out there in the world. Now that people know. Now that people know that you're not I'm not gonna look to you to be like the the next generation of of Isaac Foundation. Yeah. That does make me feel a little better because that should be stressful. Yeah, but on the I other hand, too, well what if someone takes over the Isaac Foundation and you don't agree with what they're doing? Oh, then I'll kick them off. Oh, whatever. I'll just be like, all right, let the pros handle this chump. Oh, whatever. Yeah. So if we were to replace me as an executive director, what qualities do you feel like would be important to have? You better be hard-headed. They can't. Hard-headed? Like, oh, my God. You're so stubborn. It is so hard to out-stubborn you. Oh. Yeah, but if there was anyone in this world that would try, it would be you. Yeah. And so, they also can't they can't let what people say affect them because you're going to hear a lot of shit that you don't like, but it doesn't. Oh, how many times have I been told no when I'm asking for either money, support, a venue? Time. I get oh, so many times. And yet, I get knocked down, but I get up again, right? I yeah. always have to get myself back up. So, yeah, that is true. What other qualities is important? They better just actually have like passion for the cause yeah passion i think is a big deal if they, if they don't i'll have to overthrow them whatever i also think integrity being honest you know doing the right thing even when no one's looking is also really important because um you know i have to be honest there is a lot of things over the years that I haven't let Caleb take advantage of. That's an Isaac Foundation program because if it took a spot away from another child, then I didn't feel like it was fair for Caleb to take that spot. Mm. Um, oh, speaking of which, I asked your other siblings, what is your favorite Isaac Foundation program? Sibling Spotlight. Really? Because I would have guessed that you hated that one because you were in Sibling Spotlight and you didn't like it. I don't like being in it. I just like the idea of it because there are people that actually like do need help and they do need people to like hang out with the only reason i didn't like being a part of it is because i really didn't because i have caleb and trevor so you don't think you have any hard feelings or struggles associated with it no none whatsoever i don't think so again your behavior has nothing to do in life with any struggles associated with the stress that we have no, as I a just, family i just got anger issues yeah yeah you did allude earlier that you have struggled with some substance abuse yes no and that isn't related to the struggles that we have as a family no you actually were my very frustrating child in that you actually overdosed yes and yeah. you refused to let your brother call 911 to get you help yeah and why was that because uh, I didn't want to disappoint you. And I didn't want you to be scared that you were going to lose another kid. Well, there's that. And you also were afraid that people would find out that I'm Holly with the Isaac Foundation. And you were worried yeah. that it would have negative. Well, yeah. And that was also part of my problem is because none of my problems that were causing me to use were problems related to the Isaac Foundation. And people will hear things or see even at school. Like I've been in a lot of fights at school. I haven't had emergency expulsion for a while for a fight, but people would ask you about it. People who like knew of the Isaac Foundation at school and on the school board were talking about it. 
like it had anything to do with that. No, I just wish a lot more people understood that we're also outside of the Isaac Foundation, our own family and our own family has problems. Oh yeah, we're not perfect. Although um, there's always room for improvement. In fact, I'm taking a parenting class right now. I don't know if you know that, but I'm taking a parenting class and you know, it bothers Caleb and Kelly that I'm taking a parenting class because in their mind, they think I'm the best parent in the history of the world. And there's like no reason for me to take a class. Exactly. I agree with them. Oh, I think that that is garbage. I think anyone can always do like self-improvement, right? Mm -hmm. But here's an interesting thing that I would just like throw out to you. Do you know that the reason why I started the Isaac Foundation Sibling Spotlight Program was because year after year after year, I was meeting family who had kids with autism that we were helping, but had the neurotypical children that were developing life-threatening eating disorders that were starting to use drugs, alcohol, promiscuity, running away from home, uh, anger issues, aggression, all of those things. And I said to myself, self, is it possible that some of the behaviors that we're seeing in our neurotypical children is because they have conflicting emotions and struggles that are around parenting issues, struggles, family structure dynamics, and of course, some of that could stem from having a brother or sister with autism. You think that your struggles and those struggles of other families are totally just coincidental? Well, I don't think a lot of mine, I don't, a lot of my drug problem, I didn't, it wasn't really related to the Isaac Foundation for that. I think that it's completely possible for people to go through that because of it it definitely is i could totally see that happening but for me it had a lot to do with ptsd and my nightmares that was my outlet to dealing with those because some of the nightmares that you had you have had yes and you've always had this insecurity about safety issues like overdosed i saw isaac yeah it's part of the reason why i wanted to get sober yeah so but that was one of those mother moments where you know the fact that you were concerned about my reputation versus the fact that you matter to me i could give two hoots about what anybody thinks of me as the isaac foundation's executive director it doesn't matter to me because we are a real family and we have real problems we're not perfect we put our shit show out there for people to hear learn um now are some people super judgy about that of course of course they are however i think tyler you would be surprised to find out that a lot of people that listen to our podcast part of the reason why they're drawn to it is because i am real i am honest and i do not actually promote at all that i happen to know everything and then the best mom in the whole world i don't which is why again i still am taking parenting classes to be a better parent and to support you guys in the various ways now with that being said do you remember when you were in sibling spotlight and your sister was complaining about how her brother and her mom ignores her la 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 and you were poo-pooing telling her she had to be quiet she couldn't talk about it Mm -hmm. yes because you again are trying to hide the dirty secret that we're a regular family with regular problems right do you still try and do that do you still think that kelly over exaggerates i think kelly over exaggerates but like She's, um, she's like a preteen girl. Well, she was having struggles even when she was little. It's hard. I recognize it's hard when you have a sibling with autism. Well, life's never easy. Well, that's true. It wouldn't be life if it was easy, you know? Well, that is true. Life is a struggle. Um, did you know that we're starting an Isaac's Clubhouse? Mm-hmm. So do you know what Isaac's Clubhouse is? It's not going to be where everyone can kind of like go and just hang out 
Well, yeah. I mean, you've played in after school sports and you've been in different clubs throughout your whole life, but it's been harder for Caleb to do after school sports and like clubs because his communication style is different. He's not super people-y. And so we thought, what better place than at the Isaac Foundation to have a clubhouse where he can hang out with kids that have similar interests and just be them without people coaching them about social skills and how we talk to our friends and how we make awkward conversation that nobody likes, right? So we'll let him learn that stuff at school, but the clubhouse is just going to be an organic place for kids on the spectrum to just hang out and be them and do things that are interesting to them. That would be cool. Yeah. I'm excited to see how that goes. Yeah, me too. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? I don't think so. Thanks for having me, though. I actually like doing the podcast and talking about a lot of this. Oh, my gosh. It sounds like you could become the future executive director of the Isaac Foundation. (laughs) I'm just kidding. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism L podcast. And I look. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.